Welcome, people. We got another solid episode of Black Glue. It's your guy, Matt, from the East. And with me, I got Brother Cam. Say what's up to the people, Cam. Yes, it's your boy, Cam, from the West. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Cracks me up every time you say it. I don't know why, but I love it. Oh, man, do we have something in store for you all today? Um, It is Monday, June 1st. Um, We don't record these in real time, but we wanted to drop that date for you guys just so you can kind of put into perspective the state of the world. Um, Cam and I both live in metropolitan cities, and there is a lot going on with this revolution taking place over the injustices uh, within the black community, you know, these killings from police officers to black and brown people or to black people, I'm sorry. And um, there's a lot going on with that right now. The world is responding in a way that cannot be ignored. And so the subject matter of this episode is very near and dear to our hearts. And we hope that you're all able to really pull something from this and just learn from this and feel where we're coming from. Absolutely, Matt. Like, yeah, I know the city I'm from is the Portland area and Portland is, is going wild right now. I know the justice center was set on fire a couple nights ago. Um, yeah. People are just breaking into stores. The Apple store was broken into Louis Vuitton. So it's a very intense time in, in history right now. And, what we can hope, hopefully hope for is just that it'll bring about great change, you know, despite what we may feel about what's happening and how people are reacting. The reality is people want to be heard. Exactly. Spot on. And so, uh, as I said, we're both in metropolitan cities. Cam is in Portland and I'm in LA. And, um, that's, that's the thing. People want to be heard. People have been ignored for so long people have felt, you know, people have been ignored. They have been stepped on. They have been mistreated for so long. And you can only do those things for so long until your attention is forced. Um, And all of this that's been taking place is, yes, stemming from racism, but that stems from one underlying thing. I mean, evil, yes, but the fear that these racist people have against black people. And so that's the front running thing that I wanted to touch on is the fear associated with black people, with blackness, you know, the world's fear of us Um, and individuals, people's fears and anger that stems from the fear and hatred that stems from that anger towards us. It's a lot to unpack for this episode. And so if you came for some roasting and some laughs and a good old jolly lighthearted time, you tend up, you tuned in on the wrong one. Um, this is going to be a great episode, however, so I hope that you stick around to hear it. But if not, I mean, it is what it is. Try again next week. Maybe we'll have something funny to talk about. But right now, there's nothing funny going on with the reality of the world. And here at Black Blue, where we come to grow, learn, understand, and educate, we discuss that real. And so uh, here we are. Amen, amen, Matt. So, yeah, we got to try and be voices of truth, you know, no matter what. And sometimes the truth isn't always pretty. So unfortunately, like we have to paint it. We're going to paint it how it is. We're going to say what we feel, say what's on our minds and hearts and 
I hope it inspires you guys to do the same. Like this, this isn't the time to be silent anymore. Silence is over, you know, like we all going to make a choice. We all going to make a decision. Like who are we fighting for? What are we fighting for? Absolutely. Who and what? But before we get into that, which we will eventually touch on, I think we should just go ahead and delve right into this and talk about the why. Cam, what is it? Shoot, not just to you, to everybody. What is it about Black people that the world sees and trembles by? What is it about the thought of a melanated man or woman that people see? I think... Yeah, this is this is a crazy topic to kind of jump into, Matt. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah it absolutely, is that's the world, man. That's how that's that's the state of the world currently, and it's the reality that's not going to change unless we make it. But what is it? No doubt. Like, what is it that they see? What is it that they feel about my life that is threatening to them to be filled with fear and rage and anger? Um, before the podcast started, Cam and I were just talking on the phone about the simple things that speak volumes that we've experienced. And I don't want to share for him, but I know for me, I've absolutely, I mean, of course, just being a black man, I get stares, people look at me, they clutch their purse, they move off the sidewalk. But ever since um, the coronavirus started, and then even more so once the revolution has started, I've, the stares I've been getting, the looks I've been getting have been so intense, I can feel them and I see them everywhere I go. And I'm not looking for them. I'm, I'm a big fan of the quote, drink water and mind your business. I say that on my Instagram all the time, you know, and I try to live by that, but I can't help but notice. And this fear that people have, this anger, this hatred that people have towards black people, it's, it's heartbreaking and it just blows my mind as to how you can even get to that point. It's, of course, it's all taught, but it's still just every day I'm just baffled, like, wow, you guys really just take this and run with it. This is crazy. Yeah. So to our, like, first question, Matt, like, why do you feel like the world, the world paints blackness to be a bad thing? I think there is no simple answer for, for, in my personal opinion. I could be wrong, but this is how I currently view it. There is no simple way to answer that question. And so I'm going to try to answer it to the best of my ability that can be understood as best as it possibly can be. Um, I think the world views blackness in the way that it does is of course, from a position of fear and a position of um, insecurity within. Um, I think seeing how the u.s was built on a system of systemic racism was built on systemic racism meaning white people thrive white people are going to do better that's why there's certain laws in place and people who are not white are going to struggle and there are specific laws in place to keep black people down um and so with black people starting to have more rights as time, well, not rights in air quotes, as time moves forward, people feel threatened. They think that I feel their livelihood, their opportunities, their white privilege is now at risk, is at stake. And so they feel like this person is the enemy because they're trying to take from me. And those insecurities brew hatred, 
the rage. Um, and I think that that's one of the reasons that we are where we are today within the systemic racist society known as the United States. Yeah, no doubt. I think what you make me think of, you know, when you were talking, I was thinking of one word like really stands out to me. We've kind of talked about this a little bit all week, Matt, is, and over the last couple of weeks, we've, we definitely talked about it. But the word that stands out to me is revenge. Mm. And revenge really stands out to me in this circumstance because I think there is a general fear. I can't say for everyone, but for people in power, especially, and just racists, um, there is a fear of Black people taking revenge, retaliating. Based on history, like, even like, how could you not, you know, like, I I, I almost don't understand the fear in a way. It's a twisted fear. It's a misconstrued fear. But I think it really boils down. We have to look back at history. And I was watching the movie 13th, excellent movie about like mass incarceration this week. But even like in my studies of like black history in media, media has portrayed in the past black people to be animals right and that's sick like if you that's a, that can be like a public perception and we we can't even like i can't even i can't i can't comprehend it like sometimes um like why um but it's like if you had an animal in your house you know it's like oh wow you'd, you'd be scared of it kind of thing and that's unfortunately how some people can see black people right Right. Absolutely. Like, like I said, you know, there's, I feel that it's a, uh, it's a multi-dimensional, or the, there, there's a multi-dimensional question, meaning like there's more, maybe I'm using the wrong phrase, but there's more than one way to answer this. And you are 100% correct. Um, I also think about, and I know this isn't on the docket, but I also think about um, the Tulsa riots, right? The Tulsa bombings. And I believe it was Greensville, Oklahoma. For those of you who don't know what that is, um, there were some groups of people who had, long story short, bombed a very affluent and robbed and destroyed a very affluent area in Oklahoma that was only Black people living there. This was within a time in which, I believe it was right after World War II. Please correct me if I'm wrong, Cam. I could be wrong, but I know it was around that time frame. And black people had established their own neighborhoods, their own communities, because they were pushed out of the white areas. They were like, all right, cool. We'll make our own little areas. They had over, what, 50 grocery stores. They had shopping shopping stores. They had banks. They had salons. They had all these different things. And all of their money was staying within their community. And when the black dollar is staying within the community, that messes up the money that was initially within the white areas around. And so quite a few people within the government and just other angry racist people saw that. And they were like, no, we got to put a stop to this because now we're missing out on money. And so they came and they bombed Tulsa or Greensville. And um, I think with the fear that drove those actions, the hatred, the anger that drove those actions was, them no longer being dependent, them no longer contributing to 
what we have to offer them doing just as good as or better than us, even though we've placed all of these things to hold them down so we can benefit and we don't like seeing them succeed. And so I think, I think that's why I said, I feel like it all stems from a place of fear. Um, it's trash. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying it's right. It's trash and it's terrible because so many lives have been lost because of it. And it's, it's, it's heartbreaking, bro. Yeah, I also think, like, even just looking back into history, like, I think we have to think of Africa, you know, when it comes to this. When you take people out of their home country and you decide to make them slaves, what do you expect, you know? Do you expect to feel, like, real great about it, (laughs) you know? I just feel like there's, there's also that level of guilt, Yeah, you know? Um, that I think some people still feel, feel definitely. And with that, I think revenge is even like a two-sided thing, you know, and I see black people murdered, <laughs> it's disgusting. And I can't, I can't lie. You know, I can't lie and say like, wow, I don't, I don't want revenge sometimes because I do. But I think there is a, a kind of revenge that there's a kind of revenge that's wrong and there's a kind of revenge that is right. There's a revenge like returning evil for evil, but then there's a revenge that says you wronged me, but by that I'm going to make something good out of it. You may have taken these lives, but I'm going to make sure you don't take any more. You know, I'm going to create something good. I don't have to act on that that impulse to take revenge in an evil way. I can act in a positive way, feel the emotion, but use the emotion to accomplish good hmm. in the world. Because I think we all feel it. I think we all feel some some aspect of like, man, that's that's my that's my brother. That's that's my that's my sister. Like I think of my friends. I think of my friends' faces, even if I don't know the people. Like it just gets me riled up every time. I feel that. But but with that, it's like I always gotta remind myself, calm down. Like you can act out, you can act out, you can act out in violence, you can act out in hate. And as cliche as it sounds, you know, it's like, or you can just act out in love and find try and find peace, try and understand and really make an effort to try and make the world a better place with your with conviction more so than anything, let convictions run your life. Don't let your feelings run your life. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I feel like we could have a whole separate podcast episode just on that topic right there. Oh, man. Wow. I appreciate you sharing your viewpoint on that. Um, I feel you. Um, We run our emotions. We should not allow our emotions to run us. With that being said, I feel that we should move as calculated and as uh, intentional as possible and however we decide to move. Um, I think there should be a reason and a point behind everything that we do participate in, especially within this time. Tensions are really high right now. Um, I personally feel that however you decide to express what it is that you're feeling, However you decide to go about finding justice, I think 
you are entitled to do, however it is and whatever it is that you feel that you should do. Nobody can tell anybody else how to, this is my opinion, nobody can tell anybody else how to respond, how to act. But within yourself, you can decide if something is wrong or something is right to participate in. And so I'm glad that you framed what you said the way in which you did. Um, but I definitely do think that a lot of these things are just happening, just to backtrack real quick to what you said earlier, simply because a lot of people are terrified, a lot of the racist people are terrified that we're going to do them how they have done us for the past 400 years. And I think that they're real lucky that we just want justice. We just want to be treated as equal. We don't want to be targeted. You're real lucky that that's all we want because it would be a completely different story. And a lot of people think it's bad now. It would be a completely different story if everybody was on one accord and said, I want revenge. I want you to feel what you have made me feel and my family feel for generations. Imagine that. Imagine how flipped over the world would have been by now if that was the reality. Yeah. Crazy. I always think, though, I always try to remember this, and I've been thinking about this all week. If, if blood demands blood, then the whole world ends up dead. Yeah, that's real. That's real. So what good does it solve? You know, if we we respond with with violence, they they're gonna hear us. They're gonna hear us. But I think it just increases hate. That's my that's my two cents and like maybe maybe it's the unpopular opinion, you know. I understand where the violence is coming from. I get it. You know, I think I feel it. I feel it too. Like there's a part of me that like wants to join in sometimes but with that like you got to think deeper you got to think wiser like this is this is so deep this is this isn't just a battle of like in the physical like in a, in a physical sense this is a battle deep in, in the minds and spirits of people mm. fight that battle too but it's hard, you know, when it's hard to be passionate when the world wants to stifle your passion at the same time. So, and I think we've lived in a world for so long where black passion is, is looked down upon. Black passion is characterized as out of place. Like I think a Richard Sherman, like a couple years ago and I just remember he popped off, you know, the man said what was on his mind and all of a sudden, oh, he's a, he's a thug. I, I don't want my kids around. Hold here. on, bro. We're going to paint like, the picture though. Like, you absolutely right. What? I decided to try to interview this man after getting the game winning interception for the Super Bowl. And then because he's passionate and happy and excited and full of all this adrenaline and emotion, you decide to interview him as soon as he catches the ball. Are you kidding me? And then you're going to label him a thug for having energy. It's wild, but absolutely you're right. You know, that, 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 that fear, that uncertainty about black passion. It's, it's disgusting. It's wild, bro. Yeah. Where do you, where do you think that comes from? I think it comes from, and I mean, like I said before, you know, an insecurity within oneself, I think it comes from the fear within oneself. Um, we're not looked at by every single person as a regular person. We're looked at as, I feel 
from my experiences and from what I've seen, I, because I can only speak for myself, I can't speak for everybody. From what I've noticed, it's as if we're looked at, as Hillary Clinton called us, super predators. I feel like we're looked at, she said this in like 94, 96. She, she, um, she said black people are super predators. I feel like the, a lot of time, a lot of people in the world look at us as these super beings that have all of this pent up. Um, I mean, not pent up that have all of this aggression and violence and anger that we're ready to just push out at any given moment. And so everyone around us is just like on their toes. And so if we show any type of emotion, that's not just a calm voice speaking to you like this, all of a sudden we're a threat. Uh, and so that's where I think where it comes from. And it's terrible because in regular situations, whether it's just a group of brothers and sisters sitting around laughing, uh, joking, whatever, we're automatically looked at a certain way. I know it's happened to me plenty of times doing regular stuff because we're showing a little passion, a little, uh, a little excitement, or if we're roasting even in the street or like whatever, we're looked at a certain way because of that fear. How about you? What are your thoughts on the passion? Where the fear of black passion comes from. Um, I think a lot of it is media portrayal and even back to history. Like I mentioned earlier, like in media, how blacks used to be seen as like animals, you know? So if like you ingrain that into people's minds through like the generations, you know, and like, I'm trying to think of how to describe it, you know, but if someone believed it, you know, 200 years ago, that those ideologies still live, you know, they didn't just die. (laughs) They did not, they did not just die. Like there's still evil is still around. The evil that that our ancestors fought is the evil still around today. Like it still exists in the world. Um, Sorry, we all sinners. (laughs) Um, But like, I think that's where it comes from is like these ideologies that we think no longer exist. Oh, like slavery. It's like, oh, we don't really see it. We don't see it in the same way, you know, like, oh, people, because people don't own slaves in America, you know, but let's get to the 13th amendment that still talks about slavery. You know, if you're, if you're a criminal, you're a legal like, slave. yeah, basically says you, you are a legal slave. So, and I have a bit huge opinion about that. We don't need to get into that. I think that's um, a topic for another time, but I think it relates even, yeah, just to how the, the, the portrayals of the past are still alive today. And it's a shame. Mm. Wow. It is a shame. I agree with you, man. Um, whew. Shoot. I'm, I'm really trying not to say too much because we got this stuff in the docket that we want to talk about um, for future episodes. But yes, yes. <laughs> Question for you, though. So it's very much alive today, as you had stated. Um, and it's a shame that these are things that are continuously happening and don't seem to be slowing down anytime soon until the world truly not just hears, but feels where we're coming from. So within your 24, 25 years of life, 
would you say that you've had any, that you've experienced any um, maltreatment from the world because of how they paint your blackness to be? When I say the world, I mean like from other people or just circumstances in general. Yeah, I think every which, every which way, you know, I think even extending beyond race, you know, like, I think that like the term we've, we've talked about it before, like Oreo or, or whitewash, you know, I've experienced that from kids who are black. I've experienced it from kids who are white. I've experienced it from kids who were Hispanic and what I'm realizing you know as I grow older is it's I don't fault them you know I think I used to fault them so much in in the moment because it made me sad you know like I didn't I didn't know how to respond to it as a kid and even when I got older a little bit like that's just that's racist you know and like I know I don't like it I don't know how it makes me feel so I I went I just was quiet I was I was real quiet because sometimes I think quiet can be a good thing if you don't necessarily know how to react. Um, so then you don't act out in like a terrible way. You know, my dad always said, if you have nothing good to say, you know, say not, say nothing at all. Um, but that doesn't mean there's not a time to speak, but yeah, make sure that what you say is, is beneficial more so than anything. But yeah, I think that's the first thing I think of when I think of first, like personal experience of maltreatment for being black, you know, I've had, not I've ha- I haven't had a whole lot of interactions with like police officers, so I'm thankful for that. But I remember just growing up, like my dad always said, like you have two strengths, mm-hmm. you know. Before, like as soon as you if you get pulled over, Cam, like this is when I was starting to drive, and he's like, yeah, you you already have two strikes before anything, so you just have to be like extra cautious. And I was like, what you mean? <laughs> what, what do you what do you mean, Dad? Um, and you know we had to, we had to have a whole talk about that but yeah I think even indirectly you know even though I haven't like had many interactions with police officers I definitely had some that are very questionable but like yeah I don't know I can see how the ideologies are like alive you know the these like evil principles you know are just kind of floating in yeah. So it's very, it's, it's not a surface, it's not a surface level topic at all. This is, this absolutely. Deep. It absolutely does. You know, and um, your dad said something to you that ever since you first told me that story of um, your dad telling you, as you started first learning how to drive, you already have two strikes against you. Um, that's just not for driving. That's just black experience. That's just life. Um for example, I mean, people people will feel threatened just by your existence. And if you come across the wrong police officer, they will feel threatened just by your existence. And in addition to that, they feel that you already are going to be aggressive. And so they choose to be the aggressor in certain circumstances. And so those two, um, those two strikes that your dad was referring to, man, I absolutely, and I'm sure as a lot of you listening, know exactly what he's talking about. I remember when I was... How old was I? I was 11 years old. My parents had just opened up a church in Patterson, California. I'm a preacher's kid. And my dad was the pastor. And we were so excited. We had just 
uh, gotten these nice new glass windows and we had gotten a nice new sign for the church. And it was the first church in Patterson that had a black pastor. And we had been there for about a year, but we just got the new sign. My parents started the church in the living room and then the backyard. And then we got a building that we rented out. Shout out to David Keller. <laughs> um, and I remember one day we showed up to church and there was spray paint all over the building, which was white, by the way. There was black spray paint all over the building. Some of the wording said KKK. It said nigger go home. And then there was a noose on the door to my dad's office. And this was when I was about 10, 11 years old, but I remember it like it was yesterday. And of course the news came and my dad was talking to, you know, the, the media and the police and all that other stuff. And we had a serious conversation within that moment before everybody came. And then once we got home and at that moment, I had to re-realize as a child that there are people in this world who hate me, not because of anything I've said or done, but because the color of my skin because of the skin that I walk around with every single day that I cannot take off, that I cannot do anything about is a threat to them. And they see it as two, those two strikes your dad told you about as two reasons to target me. And I've remembered that every single day of my life. That's powerful, man. I appreciate you sharing that, but shows that it's real this isn't just a game you know this is this is our lives and like these officers yeah. want to treat it like it's a game yeah <laughs> like that we can you can just hit a restart life is life that has no restart button once you're gone you're gone and so as a people it's like we have to recognize that like take it so seriously this is it this is the one life we got. We got to value everybody's yeah. life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's sad because it's clear that everyone's life is not valued. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, it hit, it really hits hard, you know, having to be reminded of that every single day of your life. And for some people like myself, having to see these things every single day of your life or in moments within your life. One moment is more than enough. That's too much. One moment is too much, but having to continuously live these things as a black person in America, um, not to say that every single black person's experience is the same, but we do have a common thing, which is this black skin I was talking about before and having to experience these things on a, on a somewhat regular to regular basis it's um, it's a lot. It's draining, and it causes anger, and it introduces militants, which is where I'm at, which is where I've been at for a little while. Um, but it, it, there comes a time. I know for me, there came a point where my sadness and my heartbreak and my frustration just grew into that, and was like, you know what? I'm cool off just sitting around being sad. I'm cool off of just being in my feelings. I need to strategize. I need to figure something out so that these things that are currently happening now, the unjust killings of black men and women in America, my kids do not have to ever experience that. 
I would love to have kids someday. But the thought of my kids having to experience this, Amen. what I'm experiencing, what I'm seeing, terrifies me. And I'm not a scary guy. I love to go outside. I love the thought of being able to run around up and down the street with my kids. But me just going out and running around, I'm a track athlete. Me just going out and running, doing my workouts, I'm thinking in the back of my head, I hope I don't run into 12. I hope I don't run into the police today. I hope this isn't the last day I get to enjoy being black because that's the reality. It's wild. I don't know how I got to that, but I had to say that. Yeah, I know there's yeah, there's a lot of feelings, you know, associated with this, with all these incidences going on right now in the world. And, you know, there's no way we can cover them all. I know you you mentioned, you know, you're kind of feeling militant. You're in the you're in the state of action that where I think is which I think is a really good state to be in. I know for me, for a long time, I was really stuck in the state of, of numb. You know, I, I saw it and like I didn't want to see it. I'm tired of seeing it. You know, I scroll through it. I scroll through it quick on my feed. Um, I'm like, I can't see it. I don't want to see another one. Um, but yeah, all that, that numbness is because I was actually feeling a lot. I was feeling all, I was feeling it all. (laughs) I was feeling anger. I was feeling sadness. I was feeling revenge. I was, (laughs) I can eat probably some emotions. I don't even know how to describe Mm. with my own words. I was feeling it all, you know? And I, I used to think like, I could just shut it out, numb it out. It doesn't work. It doesn't help anybody. And that's what I realized is I think what's helped me kind of wake up to it more is like that's selfish, that selfishness to numb out, to check out, to be silent. Sometimes it's just selfishness. You know, you have a voice. Everybody has a voice. Everybody has something to offer and to restrict that, you know, because like sometimes you're scared. Sometimes you're just scared to face it. I, I was scared. I'm like, I don't, I don't really know how to face this. I, I still don't even know how to overcome it. You know, I don't even know how to overcome all of these feelings. I don't even know exactly how change can come about. But I do know one thing from like all my experiences. I think Michael Jackson says it well, really well. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and then make a change. And I relate to that on so many levels. I've seen it in my own life to just make micro changes in my life can have change like macro change um, and really just impact people greatly from just the small things that, that you do. Like the small things matter every single day, every feeling you have matters. So like, don't just disregard it. Don't just, don't just throw it in the dump. Like, like it's nothing. So become aware of it and then, and then use it. You know, you feel sad about something. Don't numb out. Yeah. <laughs> you have a choice. So you don't have to numb out. You can choose to feel sad. You can choose to numb out. Or you can choose to, dang, I feel sad. And sadness is an energy. Use that energy. Use that energy to make a difference in, in other people's lives. Like there's other people feeling right. sad. Go out and connect with people. You know, go speak, go speak on the topic. Go, go make a difference. Don't be sad alone. <laughs> you know, we all in it together. Absolutely. I, um, I feel you, man. I, I agree with that 100%. You know, numbness is a choice and it's a choice of inaction. I've been there myself as well. I remember I used to be so into everything social justice and I would, I would be sure I kept up on all the current events, all the injustice taking place. I'll be 
and super activism mode, speak out. I can, you know, I'd be telling all my friends, everybody I know why you need to be paying attention to this and this. I'd be posting about it on my social media all the time, going to events, all of that. And then I just came to a point to where <laughs> I was just so hurt and it was so painful for me to see these things that I was saying and just having to really address the fact that I'm watching my people be shot down and murdered and killed in the streets that I just shut off my emotions and I cut myself off from watching the news from paying attention to the headlines, anything more than just another person got killed. Another black person got killed unarmed. Oh, the police officer walked into somebody else's house and shot them because I thought it was their own house. Like, Oh, it happened again. You know, um, I had absolutely just shut off my emotions and I've done this before in the past, but, um, this time it was, I, I had my stuff shut off, like power off until further notice. And it was like that for about a year and about a year. Yeah. About a year and some change. And I just realized nothing is going to change. If I don't change the way I currently view this, I need to flip my switch back <laughs> and not to say to watch that trauma porn that people be posting about the, the beating of the black bodies and the murdering. That's, that's sick. If you're watching that stuff, stop or at least stop sharing that stuff. Ain't nobody trying to see that. I'm not saying to watch the trauma porn, but I am saying to know what is happening, to know who's being elected in the offices so you can get these racist people out. And if it's only racist people, crazy people running, maybe you should run. Maybe you should talk to somebody that you know to run. But just shutting your emotions off and just going numb, I understand it. And I understand that it's a defense mechanism. Do what you have to do to self-care and take care of yourself, but don't stay that way. Because change is not going to happen unless you try to make a difference as well. Yeah. No doubt. So the answer is to not check yeah, out check in. people to and check in. Just to be clear, though, we understand needing to take a moment to recharge. I had to take a moment to recharge two days ago. I was like, you know what? This is a lot going on in the world right now. Everybody stop trying to talk to me about what's on the news. It's real life. Just stressing your boy out. And I already see it every day. But don't check out for good. That's all we're saying. Yeah. Definitely. No doubt. Like, I absolutely agree with that. Like sometimes you, you know, break, like shut yeah. off the media, go outside, you know, go and yeah, just spend time, do your life still, you know, but recognize the issue still at hand. But also I think it's, it's dangerous to dwell on too much. <laughs> yeah, be, well. be, just, so. um, I agree with you. Yes, Cam. Learning the importance of being intentional but, and strategic with everything specifically within this time, it's so easy to be consumed and driven by rage and other emotions. Not to say that it's wrong to feel rage or other emotions because it's not, it's understandable. And I feel you, but don't allow that to consume your being. Yeah, absolutely. Matt, take care, take care of yourselves and keep fighting. You know, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Black Group Glue. I think this is where we kind of wrap it up. Um, but yeah, if there's anything closing that you wanted to say, Matt, is there anything, Absolutely. anything on your um, heart? Change is slow, always has been, and always will be. But do not give up, because with our collective persistence, we can make a change, and we will. We will be heard. But just keep that in mind. Do not give up. 
just because it's tough, just because things aren't looking the best does not mean that they cannot change. With that being said, everybody, I do want to also say you can find us on all platforms. Black Glue is the podcast. Matt from the East is the name and podcasting is the game. We're on Google Play. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts on Google. We're on Spotify. And what was the third one, Brother Cam? Apple. There we go. We're on Apple. Cool. Yes. Apple. And we will be posting a podcast episode every Friday by noon. And so just tune in. And we're going to have something new for you guys every week. And we appreciate you consistently wanting to join in and listen to uh, what we have to say. And I hope something was said or something was felt so that you could grow, learn, understand, and educate yourself as well as others. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in and keep fighting the fight. Never give up. It's that's right. It's worth it. That's right. We shall overcome. <laughs> All right, y'all. Peace.